Welcome back to another edition of Open All Lars, the QPR podcast. For this episode, I will be your host, Charlie Wise, and I'm joined by three fellow QPR fans to digest and discuss all things QPR. Got a lot to go through as there was no episode, sadly, last week. Um, so let's get this underway. Uh, we'll start with this season's best attendee, and that is Paul Finney. Paul, how are we? I'm all right. Chest infection. I'm all right. You had it last week, so you could do it last week. I've got it this yeah. week, but we've... We're going to play on and give it a go. It can't be worse than anything else we've done this season. So, yes, thank you. I'm fine. We're battling on. I'm sure if we didn't get the three points against Cardiff, we'd, we'd have probably had to offer the chest infection. But we've got a good reason to be back. So, let's uh, let's roll on. I'm joined by Ross Norville. How are we, Ross? Not bad. Thanks, guys. Nice nice to have you on. Welcome. Um, Cheers, and and uh, Warren Ringham as well. How are you, How are you, Warren? Yeah, I'm okay. A little bit under the weather, like Chris, but uh, holding holding out. <laughs> that's what we like to hear so i'll do my best um to get you you two in over finney at some point on this podcast because we know we know, <laughs> we know what we're dealing with here. <laughs> got a nice look away from finney there as he looks away in disgust but i'm uh, not we... i'm looking i'm looking away because i want the chris's charles chris charles name because i'm using his sim <laughs> account and i'm going to get called chris a lot so i'm just getting used to the idea of being called chris a lot by the way for those who don't know warren was the bugler on friday's game against Nottingham forest and he does it and he's got a, so far Every time he's done at QPR, I've not lost. Yeah, the club, the club reminded me of that because two years ago it was the Middlesbrough game and it was two all and we were winning and they scored. I don't remember if it was late on, but I remember they scored to equalise. And in my mind, I remember it as a defeat because we because up until that point, we'd won every game. So I was like 100% win record since I did my last post. But no, they're, they're, still, they're still quite positive that it's uh, undefeated at least. Five five last posts, five five games undefeated. So hopefully keep that going. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, so right, you've still been sacked on the Briatore. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I mentioned, we have got a lot to go through. We've got four games to discuss, and then of course the fifth one upcoming on Saturday. I think that the less we talk about the first three, probably the better. Um, so we'll try to keep that nice and brief. We'll start off with the. Um, the 2-1 defeat to Peterborough, very disappointing how that one panned out. I think it was definitely an opportunity to take all three points there. Fantastic um, turnout from all QPR fans taking over their stadium. But um, like I say, um, Finney, what was your thoughts? So we just we just digest into that very Peterborough was just a bit of a mess, really, wasn't it? There's a, yeah. You always know when there's loads of fans, as, as Ross and Warren are a little bit older than you could tell without being paranoid, Charlie, you know, <laughs> Um, when you see a big away support, you want to go home or stay in the pub because you know what's going to happen. Um, mm. Yeah, we, we got done by them. I mean, you know, we, we have a habit of getting losing to teams that will get relegated during the course of the season. They'll probably get relegated as it happens. Mm. But you know what? There's not a lot you can do. The championship is what it is. And, you know, a few games later, we're, we're back up to fifth. So, you know, it's, it's a strange old league, this. Ross, what did you make of the disappointing fixture? Oh, Peterborough was... Yeah, a game where we should have won it by a country mile, but it was also at that time we were playing pretty rubbish. Mm. We just didn't seem to have something seemed to be missing. Wasn't quite sure. And I don't think anyone could put their finger on what wasn't quite working. We didn't seem to have that speed and pace and decisiveness that we'd had like the previous month. 
yeah. yeah, we just seem to be a bit completely off. I don't know yeah. if it was injuries or tiredness mm. or expectation from us. Yeah, like you said, I think it was a bit, you know, we're quite lethargic. It took us a while to get going. I mean, first half was pretty flat and the same for the second half. It was, it was one of those games where, you know, Peterborough didn't bring an awful lot. Um, and I, I did get slated for it, actually. I, I, in my video, I thought I kind of didn't get them much credit. I said it was kind of more down to QPR's poor performance. And there's a, I got a nice backlash from all the Peterborough fans saying that um, <laughs> they played really well. And I'm not too sure how I feel about that one. But like I said, I think that was definitely a chance to, to really take three points from, from a game where, as Philly mentioned, rightly mentioned, I think when you, when you big it up that much and take so many fans away, you're asking for disaster. And, it, and sadly, that's the way it panned out. And that was the, the you know, I think that at that point was it, I think the fifth. Uh, last minute um, goal we've conceded in the last 10 and that mm. conceded uh, we'd, we'd lost five points because of that a bit of pill to swallow but Warren what did you make of that? Yeah I mean I was just having a look back and that was the game that we played two up front and I was kind yeah. of feeling really positive going into that when I saw the lineup. I thought I've been oh, <laughs> I've been <laughs> desperate <laughs> I've been desperate to see us have a go with two up front but, but I mean I want to I'll come on to a point in a bit that I want to make about um, Johansson and actually how that switched in the last couple of games. And it's something that you and I've chatted about, Charlie, on your live streams that I'm mm. desperate to get off my chest about. But um, I, I was th- thought that may be one solution to kind of unlocking uh, things with, with two up front, but it didn't seem to work out that way at all. And as you say, um, last minute goal yet again, just, just killed us again. But do you know what was really irritating when Jimmy Dunn patted your man on the head? I turned to him and said, you know, he's going to score now. But, um, and he did in the last second. But it's just, like, listen, it's just, it's, it's a hard one to take. And it, it's, it's, it's really, really frustrating. And it's just so QPR. That was the, the game that, you know, QPR expect to win. And we shouldn't expect to win any game, should we? We should go in there a bit, a bit more. So, but the two, four, the two up front and the change of formation, I, I agree with more. And I was like, yeah, this is it. We're going for it here. We're actually going to do the right thing. And, and go for it, it kind of went a wee bit wrong. But, hey-ho, I just... Something that um, Joe Davenport said in the, one of the last podcasts, which is, whatever happens this season, if we don't go up, we're going to lose a lot of players. So I'm trying to enjoy the season and stay yeah. with the squad that we've got, because God knows how long we're going to have them for. But, yeah, I do remember that, yeah, You know, the main, without being too negative, but I was very, very down after Peterborough. I think the trouble is, and I think this goes across all the QPR fans and even right the way through, possibly even to Mark Warburton. I think everybody's just trying to work out what our winning formula is. You know, we've tried lots of different things and we're still searching. Here we are, how many games in, but we're still searching for, you know, what is our first choice ideal ideal first choice lineup and obviously we're trying to you know get around all the injuries and problems that we've got but even even without that i think we're still searching you know we had it last season we knew for the last 10 games whatever what our ideal lineup was what our formations what our tactics were and everything else but at the moment it just hasn't quite clicked on a regular basis we've been fits and starts ups and downs and when it, if it clicks we will fly but it's just I think we're still searching for that winning formula. And I, I, I don't know whether the change in midfield this week, last two games, I think is going to, I really think that's going to uh, bear fruit. And obviously with field coming back, hopefully as well, it could help. But I just think, I think personally that the problem we've had is the middle third of the pitch and the transition of play from the defence to our danger men. It's just not really clicked all season. And I think that's really because Johansson has been sitting so deep this year. I know Charlie, you you think that you, you agree with me on that, but yeah, 
I think I think last night, I don't mean to skip the games, but I think that's I think kind of epitomised what you're kind of mentioning. I think we Cardiff was so happy to sit back with 11 players behind the ball and allow us just to pass in the centre-halves. And then when we couldn't really break them down because of how deep they were sitting, we then just decided that we'd just pump the ball up in the air at certain points to try to get yeah. on in the Dykes' head. And Cardiff were a side that were just happily heading those balls away all night. So kind of, like you say... I, at times we have really struggled. I think we struggled to get Ilias Chair on the ball without Willock as well. So as you know, we'll mention that later later in the in the podcast when we come on to the Cardiff game. But that that sort of area of where we have seen Johansson, like you say, sitting so deep, we kind of saw him be a bit more box to box last season. And, and as we sort of talked about this, um, and he, he does seem happy at points to almost make it a six at the back and, and you know sometimes yeah. be level with the centre halves. And and that sometimes is a problem because then there's more reliance on then Chair and Willock in a normal formation. Um, to make things happen and like I say normally Willock has been, uh, sorry not Willock uh, Johansson has been that man to really create that transition between the two and and you know I think his performances of all the last couple of games actually I think he's really stepped it up but the start of the season we didn't really see the Johansson that we had at the tail end of last season and that was you know kind of quite a struggle for us and like we say about progressing this play but I think that change that we did see in the Cardiff game has, has kind of been welcomed I think we, we kind of reap the rewards of that um but yeah, it's been, it has been an interesting issue. And we've seen the backlash as well. You know, it's, it's funny now talking about it because it's easy to say, do we stick to the back five now? We won a game. But in that sort of period of Peterborough, Sunderland and Forest, there was a lot of stick and people saying that we need to move away from this back five as well. So, you know, we've done well to get out of this rut and get the points on the board um, against uh, Cardiff. But it is an interesting sort of issue with, with you know, with that transition. I think the, the, the um, I don't know what Russ thinks. And I'll, I'll come on to that in a second, but because um, I like Russ, because um, he's, he's, he's he, Russ had a bad year last year. Russ had a heart attack while he was in um, t- um, on a WhatsApp group. And th- is this right or wrong, Russ? This is the weirdest thing I'm ever going to say in a podcast. But yes, yes, I was chat- chatting on a WhatsApp group whilst at work, and I didn't have a heart attack. My aorta dissected, so my aorta split, which is the main artery out of your heart. And I was rushed to the hospital and had to have emergency surgery and was in a coma for two weeks. And I had it was two, nearly cardiac, right. two cardiac arrests. Oh, so you did have one eventually. Sorry, was, yeah. I knew, yeah, not that it was splitting hers or anything, but I'm not going to be able to no, set up with my accident. I ain't got my chair to split. To be fair, no, am I, mate? But um, going back to your hands, by the way, Russ, good to see, see you're still here. And he, came out, he came out hostile. The medical advice was to take it easy. And so, you've, have you, how have you been getting on at QPR matches, losing everyone, losing he's a goal? I've still got and... his season ticket. <laughs> I've still got my season ticket. My son's now coming with me. But I have been pretty chilled the last couple of weeks, last couple of games. are not too bad. These last minute winners and, and goals against them must be, you must find them so much fun, Russ. Um, oh, last, you know. last night was not fun for that last five minutes. Them corners. Yeah. But going back to Johansson, Russ, not that I'm trying to cheapen your heart, heart issues because it's, it's good to see you back. And Russ has a sense of humor, by the way. I'm not taking a piss. He, he knows what, <laughs> what, what I think. Um, I think Johansson's carried an injury um, because in quite a few games he's gone down. And he did it again last night as well. You know, he's yeah. This, this whether it's a mental thing or there's something going on, and I think he's he's struggling a wee bit with a could be maybe his hamstrings tight. I don't know, but I've noticed that. And whereas last night he he, he was bringing Cherry in a lot more, and he wasn't doing as much running. So I'm just wondering if he's carrying a knock a wee bit. But I think personally, I don't know what you guys think we're getting on players' backs a wee bit too much. We've got to we've got to get to Christmas and then. 
digest where we are there and look at things and everyone's still finding their feet. I think that ball came on last night and played really well, whereas some of the kids hasn't played so well. I thought that pass last night was just mind-blowingly brilliant. And what where did that come from? You know, the finish from Gray, that hasn't been part of his game for a while. So everyone's still, I think it's a good point, everyone's still finding their feet. And by doing that, we're still trying to find our, our best 11. Even Austin, when he came on last night, did a really nice chest down to um, in the box yeah. and stuff. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There's, there's little bits that are coming off and aren't coming off and we're still trying to find each other. We're still working within it. But that's the championship. And um, yeah, so what do you think, Ross? And um, in your new chilled state? Yeah, well, it's that bit of the players, it's finding that consistency. Because one week, like Moses last night, I thought was probably had one of his best games for us. Yeah. Especially that run in the last, was it in injury time, where he just yeah, bombed it down the wing. And and same with Don Ball. He started the season, started off looking like Roy Keane. And then as a typical Don Ball game, where he can't do anything, can't trap a ball, can't pass it. Hanson's been up and down. Austin's been up. They've all been up and down. It's just finding a level of consistency. But the, I think also some of the injuries haven't helped because we've lost players just as they've got into form, like Lee Wallace. When Lee Wallace got injured, he was, you know, absolutely bombing it and running that left side of the midfield and the back five. Um, but to say the most consistent player, like, no, I'm Rob Dickey. Rob Dickey last night, I thought first half was superb, but second half, he was just trying to do too much. Mm. You know, he was giving the ball away too easily, especially when he was bringing the ball out. Uh, and it's just, yeah, the players are just finding it's that consistent. I don't know whether it's the tiredness, because we've got games every couple of days, and it's just taking it out of them. And our yeah. squads just ain't big enough to make changes. And whether I'll, tell you what, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what's a huge plus, though. Um, is we've actually found a rule for Albert because yeah, for yeah, weeks he's been struggling. He's even played a false number nine. If it were cast, I can't remember what game it was, but it was, and he's playing and supporting the front ones. He's doing this and doing that, and it's nice to see him in a rule that maybe no one thought he would would suit him. But I think he's actually superb. He's a couple of balls last night he cut out on the Cardiff attack and did some really good tackles, and also took out their player when he's flying down the wing, which you know, given given his age and everything else, wouldn't have expected so. That's a major plus for me. And I think Don last night was amazing. And I think, you know, we're, we're, I think we're all feeling the same thing. It's kind of like like Warren said, I think it was Warren, um, when we get going, we're just going to absolutely hammer someone. And then probably no one else probably get hammered in the very next game because that's the championship. Yeah. But it's like, look Definitely. at Bournemouth last night. Yeah. You know, was it they un- were they unbeaten? Yeah. And then lost to Preston. And when Preston were at our place, they looked absolutely... Dog shit. <laughs> I, I think I think um, Ross makes a good point about the, the consistency, and I, I think it is it is a real problem with sort of the squad we have, and and sort of the fatigue and the frequency of games, and just kind of touches upon the point. I want to move on to sadly just to quickly talk about the Sunderland game as we as we rattle through this list of games on the agenda oh, yeah, tonight. It's um yeah we'll, we'll keep this one to a minimum. One of the worst decisions I've ever seen ever in football, even with my QPR hat off, that was. Uh, it's just simply abysmal. Um, and then the penalties to, to follow after that were just shambolic. Oh. But oh, that was so frustrating because there was that opportunity was there to be had. I mean, Sunderland, you know, I think Sunderland actually caused us some problems at, at points, but I feel like we always looked like we were going to win that game. And um, yeah, I, I don't even know where to start with, with that one. 
No, they're quite quite simple. They the the you know the results have shown since they're not a brilliant side. We knew that they weren't, even, mm. but they came down to the job with us in somewhere in Uxbridge as a penalty ball because that yeah. was the worst penalty I've ever seen in my life. But I knew when we faced in the loft, taking penalties was going to go wrong. As for that decision, I've watched Irish League football. I've watched all kinds of football. You can't explain that and why that yeah. liner was still on the job. I'll never know. It was it was ridiculous. I mean. We probably didn't deserve them, but who cares? You know, it's, it's a legitimate goal. We'd have been through. Hey ho! I think it's quite one one point that kind of stuck, stuck out to me after the game. Obviously, you get the disappointment of being knocked out of the cup. But when Ilias Chair came out, I think it was on the W Twelve podcast, and he mentioned the club lost out on five hundred k for as the prize money for entering into the quarterfinal. You then look at the the revenue they would have generated. Um, from another match day and it's you know it's not just a footballing loss it's it's financial as well that's that's big money for QPR and it's you know when it's lost through a very poor officiating decision it it's hard to take and I'm just happy that you know of course the Forest game disappointing out panned out but you know we've we've got it back on track now with with a good win against Cardiff but yeah it's one to to forget it's um, that will go down history as one of the worst decisions ever made well it's the yeah, the EFL came out after the game and apologised to the club. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, thanks for that. Apology accepted. You've eaten all my chocolate cake. What are we going to do about it sort of thing? You know, what are we going to do? Nothing. It's just, it was sickening. But you know what? No matter how many times you look at that, no matter how many angles you look at that, you, you would never come up with that decision in a million Sundays. I mean, as blind as I am, with me, me glasses and me squinty wee eyes and everything else, there's no way in God's earth you'd call that, and it's just incredible. And to offer an apology is just ridiculous. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Lee Hughes's letter and Morbidson's letter to the the um, referee <laughs> well, after because there's there's no defence. It's just it's, it's you know it's not you say scandal or whatever, but it's just crap. It's just these people shouldn't be in charge of football matches. Mm. I mean, you know, you, I'm sure you'd see better in in Hackney Marshes. It's just ridiculous. There's no need for it. It was disgusting. And it cost us a lot of money and a, a trip to Arsenal, which meant I could have got drunk in my local pub and got the train and got there in time for pickle. <laughs> okay, answer me this. Answer me this. Let's have a let's have a little vote. Would you want to see VAR in the championship next season? No. Well, based yes. on yeah, based on that, yes. But well, basically, me- the Premier League is it's still as bad. It's still the people judging at the same morons are still making mistakes week after yeah. week. So you, it's it- got to be done properly. Yeah, it's got to be done properly like it, like it was done in the Euros. I thought in the Euros yeah. it was run and used properly. But it's been, it's been a lot better this year in the Premier League, isn't it? Was it if you win the championship or the playoffs, was it 200 million pounds to go up? Yeah. Which not, if not you lose if you miss out on winning the playoff final by some lino giving you a goal or disallowing a goal that was clearly onside. What do you, you know, you can't tell us, sorry, okay, yeah, we'll accept that. You've just crossed this two hundred million pound for some spanner who left his dog outside. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is though, I mean, if you look at the premiership, no, the Euros is a good example, but I I don't trust the officials in the championship to get anything right, even in front of the TV screen with bloody, you know, projected sixty on a sixty-five inch TV, they're still probably get it wrong. They can't get much right. I mean, you're still in the hands of these people. I don't know, it's but on the other side of the corners and the championship is so hectic and so mad as well. Can you imagine like one nil down and a VR decision one minute to go when you're playing someone at home and it depends on the player. It's, it's, it's a tricky one. I think we need to 
make VAR work for everyone. And that goes from the premiership all the way through the leagues, but make it simple and effective. And there's got to be a system that works that the, the FA in their wisdom can't mess up no matter how hard they try. Yeah. For yeah. me, as I think it's a good point. I think if it can be implemented like it was at the Euros, then I would be, I would, I would be for it. But if how it is in the Premier in the Premier League, I would not want to in, in, uh, introduce in the Championship. I think just the whole the whole premise of, you know, every time you, you hit the, you know the ball hits the back of the net, it's yeah. okay. Let, let's celebrate. But have we scored? Have we not? It just the whole concept. I mean, I, I just I just can't I can't get behind it. Like I say, of course, if it's implemented properly and there's consistency um, and there's transparency as well, which I think is you know a big part of it that um, I'm not a big advocate of because I think it's there's just like i think there's just no consistency and you know one decision you'll see that isn't given and it's it's all just a bit of a debacle so i like the idea of when we score yes you'll get a bad decision sadly you will sometimes get horrendous ones like we did see at sunderland but you like to think you know they go for and against you and evens evens out and when you score you can celebrate without worrying that you know you'll be you'll be embarrassed um and and pretty demoralized a few seconds after so yeah um we're split here, but I think it is something that it, you know it needs fine tuning the Premier League, and hopefully they can sort of sort that out, and it can be introduced properly later down the line. But do you remember years ago they had um, officials behind the goal line? They still got everything flipping wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean you, you had more officials than you had Fulham away fans. I forgot. And about they that, still actually. and they still got it wrong every time. Mm. So you need you need to perfect you need to train these people properly. And ha- I mean, half the people don't even know the flipping rules. To be honest with you, I mean, if your man works that was offside, what was he? What was he high? What, what did he learn? How did he, it's train people properly and they'll do a decent job. It's not hard, you know. No, what's in front of the defender is offside before the ball's kicked. It's not thicking hard. I you know? know. I understand how Keith Stroud's still getting jobs at this level. I, I really don't. He has got a thing against us, though. I know people say that it's not true, but there's certain referees, and he's one of them, that he just doesn't like us. <laughs> no, there was... Stars was the same. Yeah, and Durso as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Didn't yeah. Durso do us at Wickham? And was that Durso or was that not Styles? <sighs> Might have been Styles. Yeah, but Durso done us as well a couple of games. Sal sent when well, Bertram was on the podcast and he said that they still Marcus being to this day still doesn't know why we sent off at Wickham. Yeah. It might have been because it was windy. <laughs> you know, it's one of them. And and the referees do dislike you sometimes. I mean, we even had Mark Hasley, who's a QPR fan, who's a referee, and he was he, he was going ballistic on Twitter about it, which is unusual for a ref to actually have a go at a, an official, but even he couldn't make head to tail of it. So that tells you that they completely messed up and it was a complete waste of time. And we lost 500k today at Arsenal. It's not fair, but what can we do about it? No, right. So I think you round that off quite nicely. Let's move on to another uh, disappointing result. Uh, QPR back at home uh, last Friday night on Sky Sports, um, taking the lead. A fantastic goal, I must say, against Forest. A fantastic bit of brilliance from Albert Adoma. Mm. A fantastic scoop turn, and then setting up Lyndon Dykes um, to head home. Seeing out to that late, and it was at the 89th minute, I think it was, the deflected goal. Um, was it Colback in throughout on the half volley outside the box? Jimmy Dunn um, heading it sadly into the back of the net. Um, very, very disappointing to, to not come away with the three points there after being in the lead for so long. What were, what were you guys sort of taking away from that one? Well, it, I don't know about anybody else, but I thought, although it was really harsh how it came about, a draw probably wasn't an unfair result. Yeah. And 
it's worrying. It is a little bit worrying how teams are starting to work out our three centre backs and and getting in down the sides, and, and particularly when uh, teams play with three up. So we kind of end up with three on three at the back. And if they get us on the breakaway, I mean, the number of times in the first half that Forrest broke away down the channels and fizzed the ball across the box and it just didn't get finished off. You know, it was a bit, it was a bit worrying, but um, yeah, I mean, it was just absolutely gutting to, to lose it like that. And, and, you know, you, you, I thought a few people were a little bit out on their feet towards the end. I mean, Albert was just up and down, up and down, up and mm. down that right wing. And a few times he, he, made really a little bit like uh, Moses last night. He'd made a couple of really good lung busting runs all the way down the pitch with the ball and, uh, you know, lost out a dodgy. I was right on the other side from the pitch from where I was, but, you know, it looked like it was a contentious couple of decisions where he free kicks against him or throw-ins against him. And, you know, going back the other way, I just felt that we weren't quite quick enough out to close that shot down. And, and Jimmy obviously threw himself in the way as you want him to. And it just took an unlucky deflection. It's just, you can't blame any anyone for that. I think we just gave everything we we had, and it just was just the luck just went against us in that last minute. Yeah, because I say the original the initial shot looked like it was going straight at the keeper. Yeah, and then Dunn stuck his head on it and went the other way. I so like I said though, it was probably a fair, it was a fair result because they had one at least one stonewall penalty decision um, not given. When Barbe turned around and just shoved the bloke over after getting done in the box, doing a typical Barbe challenge. But yeah, that was a definite penalty. And now the ref never gave it. The other one where a Doma stuck his leg out. I've seen him given, seen him not given. So I'd have said fair result in the end. Yeah, there's no such thing as fair in Ross. There's really isn't. (laughs) I mean, you know. I've been to this city. I'm a, I'm old, right? I've been to that fucking place and seen us get absolutely mullered, tanked, beaten. Forest are a horrible team that always seem to beat us. And I'll take any kind of injustice against them, despite what I said about the Sunderland official. I don't care. In fact, maybe get him back on side and try and get him to be loved by the QPR fifth. But now we, it, it was a fair result in the end, um, which is really annoying. And um, it was bloody unlucky. And... It worried me before the Cardiff match because we needed to get something and then go into Cardiff and, and do something down there. Luckily, we did. Um, but Forrest just didn't stop trying. And and I, I think, good point about the first penalty. I think you're right. I think that was pretty stonewall. The second one could be given, but only if it was that idiot that was knocked the goal, the um, offside. Um, but also, you know, we got a wee bit out muscled a wee bit in midfield as well. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's a few things that I was. And again, we looked knackered. We looked tired. Um, but we got. We, we kind of should have won it. We just didn't see the game out very well. We should have been. We should have been keeping the ball better. The one time you want us to go backwards and hold on to the ball, we weren't doing it. The one flipping time, you know, from the first minute to ninety, sometimes we're doing it backwards. And the one time you saying, "Right, guys, hold on to this. Don't give this away. Whatever you do." We we didn't, so that was frustrating. Yeah, that was the same last night as well, Finney. That was uh, towards yeah. the end of the game last night as well. You know, we we you talking about ten corners. Yeah, held it, played it around with three centre backs all first half, and then when we actually had a lead to hold on to towards the end, we didn't do it as much, you know. But can I ask you a question, Warren, if you don't mind? Yeah. Um, talk us through what, what happened with you last Friday. Sorry, Charlie, I know you're hosting me. I just want to no, find no, out because good, all good. It's been quiz. It's been in my head all day to, to find out what what actually happens, and it must be so flipping emotional. Um, 
Well, so playing the last post as a, um, any sort of military occasion is something that um, I get to do, you know, quite regularly throughout my I think like eighteen years in the RAF now. Um, so I've done it quite a lot of times at either funerals or state occasions, whatever, quite a few times. Um, and I always, whenever I do those, particularly when it's a service funeral, I always try and as much as possible stay completely detached from that situation. I try not to find out too much about them beforehand. Um, when I turn up, I just try and and stay out of it and just come in in the funeral and do that bit and and almost kind of get away. And that sounds a little bit cold, but actually when you stand there and everybody in the room's completely silent, you've got to play something like that. And especially, you know, I can be quite an emotional person anyway. I lost my dad when I was quite young, QPR fan as well. And, you know, when you, you're sort of aware of families that are, are quite, you know, obviously very emotional, if you let that in, it can really play a part in, in you know, affecting you uh, performing. And but then you kind of do something like QPR where you're playing the last post and it's it's actually you want to do all of that. But also you want to do everything the opposite because, you know, I get to go and walk in at that, that main entrance where all the players are coming in and out and then go funnel through the tunnel, stand down by the dugout as everyone's kind of coming through. And you want to kind of let all of that in because it's such a unique perspective and it is absolutely awe inspiring to stand in that spot with the ground all around. I've been going since 1991 or something like that, especially the first one done in the lights as well. So everything about it is just completely and utterly, you know, awe inspiring. But then I've also got to then step out on that pitch five minutes later and play in front of how many ever thousand. And I did the stupid thing of saying on Facebook to all my family and friends all around the world, hey, everyone, I'll be on Sky Sports if anyone wants to watch, you know, kind of added the, up the pressure on myself a little bit. I'm <laughs> up there's no hiding place so yeah that's the hardest thing about it is it's it's actually when it comes to playing is is actually completely shutting out everything around you um and that's how i've always learned to, to deal with nerves in those situations is just to focus purely on what i'm doing and just completely cut everything else out but that's the hard thing because you want to let all of that stuff in i mean when i i realized when i was waiting to go onto the pitch to do it i was literally stood about three feet away from mark warburton and i was so tempted just to turn and fist bump him and say you know good luck gaffer or something like that but i thought he probably didn't want to find margins yeah he's probably concentrating and also i thought this would be really unprofessional to do this but it's that kind of feeling where you sort of straddling the two things of being a fan but also being there as a you know as a serviceman so yeah it was uh it's a it's a challenging one that's for sure i'll tell you one thing you did service personnel and the club pride big man it was a uh, it was it was it was emotional and it's something that i'm so pleased that people do these days to remember these things because wars a horrible experience and we should never forget these people that have gone before us and to lighten the mood low I, i'm just wondering not that you can after that um keith stride when he comes to rangers do you reckon you could sit yourself at Esley and just play the last post every time he makes a decision? <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Just for the QPR fans to go home, is like, we've got strode on last post, so we'll just go home. We're not going to get anything out of this gob show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nicely done. So, um, right, let's move on then to um, the Cardiff victory uh, last night. Um, we kind of mentioned bits about it um, as, as we've gone on, but I think Again, sort of not a lot between the two sides uh, in the first half. I think sort of what stood out to me, I think, was 
that final ball in, in the last third was very poor and it was very frustrating to see actually bar Andre Dezel's phenomenal through ball that um, he had the audacity to not even look when he played the pass. But uh, we'll get onto that in just a second. But as I sort of mentioned this, as we talked about this transition between play and I think that was, it was very uh, apparent last night and, and frustrating at times. I think we struggled to get chair on the ball and I think it was sad to see Willock not involved. I think it was through personal reasons. I don't know for wins and outs or, that, or, or whether that's true or not, but not in the side last night. And it, I think chair was actually, he was very good in the game when he did manage to get on the ball. I think he caused Cardiff big problems. They struggled to nullify his threat, but yeah, as mentioned, we, we struggled to get the ball into the feet of of of, of um, Linda Dykes and Andre Gray and Chair, and that's kind of why I don't really think we posed too much of a threat in the first half. Like they had a good chance for, with Moore and, and Gray had a header in the first half as well. But um, yeah, like I mentioned, Cardiff are very happy to sit with all eleven players oh, behind you've the You've got ball. to mention that's it, Charlie. Cardiff were absolutely horrific in the first half. Like they made yeah. no attempt to turn up other than yeah. just to stick two walls. You know that yeah. we're not going to play against that that often this season. Like no, no attempt to play football. No, and when so, they did get the ball, it was literally like watching what well, was worse than park football. The yeah. amount of times they just oofed it, and yeah. the ball was you know just even when the sometimes if the fullback a couple of times got the ball, played a pass and passed it off the pitch, and you're like, yeah. seriously, you're getting paid to do this. <laughs> I could do this easy. The, the, the thing is with Cardiff, they, they haven't recovered since Warnock left, have they really? Let's be honest. They've, they've kind of sputtered and, and, and not doing much. But also, as well, like sometimes a team, I know it sounds daft, but when you're watching the game, as long as we've had, we've all done, a team drags you down to their level. Yeah. I was going to say always. that. Exactly yeah. that word. Yeah. That's you know, exactly what happened last night. And it's hard to be. Yeah. I mean, Keeper Moore was doing his best to try and get everyone into a punch up from the first minute onwards and there was some niggly things going on and stuff but I mean as I say, that's why I started looking at Johansson he's gone I don't know if he thinks he's carrying a knock I'm um, sure it was found it hard to get into the game because it, the game was very bitsy it wasn't mm. there was no direction it was going in half the time um, Jimmy Dunn I thought was brilliant like um, I think it was Fantastic. Warren said that um, uh, Dickie first half was amazing with, with Dunn we, we fought away with him Barbe I mean either genius or completely suicidal at the end, what he was trying to do. But flipping out, you know, I've never seen a clearance like that go just twice. I'm thinking, oh, Christ, he's, he's not another on goal, but it, it worked. So, all good. And Andre yeah. scored. I mean, that, the worrying thing was the first half, we were sloppy, weren't we? I mean, particularly the the first half an hour, we just couldn't seem to get our touch and, and stuff sorted. And as you say, I did feel a little bit like we sunk down to their level. Um, I, I don't know whether it's the tiredness thing, but one of the things that we haven't, that people don't really talk about enough. I know there's a lot of talk about the fixture list and everything else, but I, I the, the big thing that's, that I think is hurting us from last year is the, the substitutions because Mark Warburton was so, so good at managing um, the squad using the five subs last year and I don't I just don't understand why there's not more call to bring that back in and keep it I mean all this stuff about leveling up and all this rubbish in the general media about how we're going to build back better surely we can take some of the things that came out of last year that were good and that was one of them I understand the argument in the Premier League the, the disparity between the bigger teams and the smaller teams in the Premier League but in our league it's, it's not really going to make that much of a difference and it would certainly um, help the injury situation and it can only be a benefit for clubs of our size and, and, and similar size by being able to bring in more 
um, youth players and fringe players and give them time on the pitch. I just can't understand why we wouldn't do it. And the way they had it set up as well, that you could only make it during three periods in the game. So you couldn't use it up by having five substitutions. Which, let's be honest, Preston mm. would do every single flipping game. On the one. <laughs> yeah, I can't understand why we're not keeping that in. No, I do like... So go on us. It does, sound, it does sound complete common sense. It's it's trouble is... what, we're playing every three days? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Unless you're one of the teams that's been relegated and you've got a squad of 30 players or whatever it is, you are going to pick up injuries. And like stupid injuries, muscle pulls and stuff, not you know, not ligament, like little niggling injuries. And but that's the point, though, Russ. If you have a niggling injury, that was like Johansson has or someone else has, maybe even Cher has, certainly, you're not going to run it off with the amount of no. games you're out. It's a very good point. Plus, but then again, you get the old pundits coming on, don't you? They're saying, well, I played 55 games in one season. Nothing ever happened to me as a hubble out of the uh, radio studio. Um, yeah, with their new knees and hips. Yeah, didn't do me any harm. And um, you kind of think, I, I think the championship, certainly more than this, the old second division, which does face it is, is more punishment now than it's ever been. I, I think and it's a fair point. Whether five subs will work or not, I'm not so sure. But you, within the allocated time, because... The trouble with these initiatives, and they're always great, is someone flaunts the rules. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine pressing with five subs. You won't get out to the flipping Sunday. No, but then keep it as it was last year, where you could only mm. make it during three spots. You can't make five individual subs. You can only make it, you know, three times. That's what. No, that's, that's why a good idea. It would do two, two and one, or or whatever. No, it, it does. Wor- it does worry me. They're giving Fulham and Bournemouth five the possibility of making five substitutions throughout a game because their squads are frightening. But uh, yeah, I think you, you do make a good argument as it's, um, with how relentless this league is. It's um, you know teams are going to run run into these problems. And like I say, our, our squad is is really being worked at the moment. Losing um, Sam McCullum now and Wallace still out. Wallace is not going to make the return for the Blackpool game. And it's just a point I wanted to sort of touch upon again. I don't think he briefly mentioned it. Is that I think Albert Adoma at right back has been a bit of a revelation. I think he offers so much going forward. Um, as as we, you know, that's very apparent. He, he's a full player, but what I don't think he's getting the praise for at the moment is how good he is defensively. I think he is arguably our best right back in terms of defensive capability. I think he's arguably better than than you know Ojabajo and Kakai. I think he. I think that that position is is there to be had now. And you know, people talked about. Um, is it sort of hindering his sort of influence he can have on the side playing further back but you, you can't warrant putting him you know in, a, in a, a, a position far up the pitch and taking the likes of Che and Willock out and, and one thing that really really impressed me last night was how well Moses did on the left I think it's hard to I, I'm a big big advocate of Moses Badger I think he's quality for this level and it is hard to kind of you know, take one out because I think, I think, like I say, I think they're both good players. So to have him at left back um, I think is great and how that worked just played dividends last night Rolling yeah, back but... to your first appearance on the podcast, Charlie. Do you remember that you said at the finish? I think it was might have even been your um, R's end where you said, "What's he got to do to get yes the game?" Something yeah. like that. And it just does make you wonder. Like we all kind of I hate to say it, but we all kind of were saying it last season. You know, it's not exactly he's not exactly the secret weapon. He suddenly come from nowhere. But yeah. I don't know what the problem was last year that because. Yeah, he, he, you're right. He, he's been an absolute revelation the last few games, and I, I mean, he's nailed on in that spot at the moment, isn't he? I think. I think to be honest, one, it was. It was as I said a wee bit earlier on. It was finding the, the position for him, 
they didn't really know where to put him. I think they were a bit worried about his age. I've no idea because every time he came on last season, every time he played, he was the only one that could actually cross the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Even when we were struggling, he was able to, to do that really well. And his, his crossing is superb. I mean, him and Cher can pick a ball and so can Johansson further. So we, we should be, that's one thing we should be using more. We should be using our ability to penetrate teams a lot more because we've got the, the players to do it anyway. But yeah, I think I think last night his defensive work was 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 top notch. I mean, you think, but maybe it's experience as well. Where well, the youngsters haven't got that experience, and he's very confident in his own ability. But the way he took you at that card of Wigan last night was 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 like brilliant. It was a proper fullback, you know. It was kind of like mentored that rule really well. He and he, maybe he's taught himself as well to get a bit more involved because he took him on out brilliantly. But also he he did a few balls down the the, the flanks well before. They were going down the middle and teams were coming back at us where he was given an outlet so people could run onto it as well, which Gray was doing his best to sort of try and get into. Yeah, I think Warren made a good point. It's, it's one of those, uh, it, it has baffled me for a long time because I think when you look at our right-back options, you've got Kakai um, and Mojo Gbajo. <laughs> they're both not the most defensively sound. You know, there's, there's leaks in, in both of their games. It's just kind of has been a bit of a head-scratcher. Why, really, when you, you look at Adoma, although he's not, he's not a right-back, you know, why he hasn't been gifted this opportunity sooner. And he's, he's one of those players as well that he's just so enjoyable to watch because every time he gets, you know, when it's always, it always seems to be, you know, we're chasing what he has been doing before these, these sort of right-back appearances. We brought him on for the last 20 minutes or so. He gets that ball running towards the loft end. Every time he has that ball at his feet, you just know something is going to happen. He's full of confidence. He beats his man. He puts in a good cross. And, you know, he's, he, has been, he has been fantastic. And it has been one of those, he'd, he'd, he'd make that sort of, fantastic performance little cameo appearance but then he wouldn't even get a look in for the next game he's still yeah. be on the bench and you get 10 minutes it, it has been a bit of a head scratch as to why Warburton hasn't really you know given him that chance and it is great to see that, that he has he has that opportunity now to in the side because like we say he's he's been, he's been a, a revelation I think also you can't believe his age can you I mean no. you know he, 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 he's, he's even older than Ross <laughs> but uh, I mean joking yeah, aside, old. <laughs> <laughs> That is the question, though, isn't it? Is how how much will we be able to sustain it at the, the yeah. rate of twice a week? Because I mean, he's I mean he's flying up and down that wing for ninety minutes. You know, he's just I mean, I was watching in the Forest game. He's just up and down, up and down. How much he's going to sustain that? That's the question, isn't it? But he feeds off the crowd as well, doesn't he? Have you noticed that, yeah. Charlie? Yeah. You know, like I think he his adrenaline comes from the fans, and he, he must yeah. be zapped after the game because he gives everything. But I would play him as much as possible if he can do that every game. Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. it, it, it solves so many problems on one side of the field that we lack a lot of issues with, in my opinion. Yeah, I which means we, nothing. Yeah, if we just roll on to sort of looking at Blackpool, because there's a couple of questions from the Cardiff game that you can maybe look into how we're going to progress with it. Um, what What do you guys think about sort of the the attacking options? Already, uh, Warren touched upon it uh, earlier in the episode, but. Would you would you go out and start Andre Gray with Linda Dykes again? What was the sort of what do you guys make of Andre Gray's sort of recent performances? I know obviously he bad the goal, but what have you kind of made of, of his performances of late? Disappointing. Disappointing. Yeah, he's yeah. When we signed him, there was that bit. Of, you know, the Watford fans got a friend who's a Watford season ticket holder said that he's just got got lazy. He's Picking up the paycheck, just turning up for work and going home, not really loving his football and doing what they sought when they signed him. And it was like when he hit the first 
couple of games he had. Was it Bournemouth he scored at? Yeah, you know, he looked. Yeah, he's got he got the he got the one at Reading, and I think yeah, I think he yeah. scored Bournemouth as well. Yeah, you know, and he looked hungry and up to like he wanted to prove something. And then he had a few, up until last night, the last couple of appearances he had were he just came on and didn't do anything. Mm. He just looked completely devoid of confidence, pace, and there's a lot of arm throwing up in the air and whinging and moaning. And then like last night, he looked like he was back on it again, especially after he scored the goal. That second half, when he got the injury and stuff, you know, he was put, getting stuck in and making runs. It's just getting that consistency out of him, isn't it? And getting him up for it. Can mm. I pose a related question to that then, to you? What what do you think guys think we should do about Macaulay Bond in January? Because Ooh. he's flying in the league below. He's second in the in the uh, goal scoring charts. He's got better minutes per goal ratio than anybody else in the charts at all. He's played one game less than the guy who's top. I forget his name. Is it Smith Rotherham? If he if we were looking at him now. And we, he wasn't our player, you'd be going, you know, he's doing really well in that league. What do you think we should do? Should we take him back and give him a shot? Should we leave him where he is? Or should we try and sell him and reinvest the money? Because obviously it, it didn't, it didn't really, he didn't really quite work out for him last season. But he's, he's flying. He's I think flying the, problem, you, the problem you have now is if you've got bundles of money, they've just got a new investor. So they're going to be going for it in the next few years. Um, if he's happy there, then I would personally call him back, make him feel loved, make him feel special. Because you can bang goals in at that level, you can bang them in pretty much at any level. And it just clearly wasn't working out for him at Rangers. I mean, you talk about Gray, it seems as much as I like Gray and I want him to do well, he's not our player. Bond is our player. So I'd rather Bond came back and was getting the game time that Gray was getting if he can do the similar sort of job and bang, put the ball in there because it makes more sense. Plus, he's younger and he can develop himself. Going back to Gray, his problem is he needs to feel loved. He's obviously fallen out of love with the football environment and playing and stuff. So he just needs to find find that. I thought last night was his best game and you know he ran himself in the ground while he came up. But yeah, I think it's an absolute no-brainer to not call Macaulay Bond back. It would be madness not to call him back, in my in my opinion. I think we need to do it just as simple as that. I've, I've seen the goals. I've watched him. The, the, the decent is not he's not being jammy he's not being lucky he's hungry and he's looking for it and bring him back see what he can do he's our player it seems tough to having someone else's player on loan we've got someone else who's, who's doing that at least give it a go and and I'm sure in true QPR fashion we'll ruin him but hey ho let's give it a go um, right, I was going to come to the first one about Andre Gray. I think there's one stat actually I saw which was um, quite intriguing is that he's had in his QPR career he's had six shots and three of them. Um, he's put away. So he scored three from wow. his six shots. He scored three, but then I thought, you know, that's, that's fantastic. You know, he seems very clinical, but then you actually, you actually take a second to think about that in from all of those games, he's had six shots um, on target, which is surprising. And I think like you say, he's, he's one of those players where um, he's fallen out of favor, um, no love from the fans. And he's one of those where you get him a bit of confidence. And I think you can see there is quality there. We know he's a player that can score goals at this level. And I think that goal, if you actually look at the first touch, the movement and the finish, it was almost instinct to him. It came so naturally and it was a fantastic goal. So hopefully we can see more from Andre Gray. Like you say, it seems to be a real comp. I know you say about every striker, it's all about confidence. So hopefully uh, the, these, those three goals, can, you can you know, you can build upon that. But yeah, I'm going to come in. Also- 
yeah, it's not just confidence, it's playing the right balls for them. Yeah. It's like Lyndon Dykes, there's no point playing the ball for Lyndon Dykes down the channel for him to run through yeah. one and do it and score. You play crosses into the box, like the goal, the goal against Forrest. You play a crossing, he'll win the header and score. It's a very good and point. And it's, you know, it's like Andre Gray. You play the ball down the channel, he's got the pace and the touch to do it. Playing the right balls for them, and using but we them never the play right that, do we? Though, do we, Ross? I mean, that's the thing. Like, we, yeah. we, our play is, I hate to say, it, but it is quite a slow and ponderous build-up a lot of the time. Mm. And the whole idea of of getting Gray in my understanding was that we wanted someone with a bit of pace that could give us different option in behind. But the thing is, is that we never get the ball forward early. Well, very rarely we get the ball forward early. In fact, the one time that we did uh, the game when he scored in the first minute, I've forgotten uh, West Brom, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, you know that, and and that and that works, but that's not really our game, and we never really seem to change it up and go into that style of play. So, yeah, you know, we're not getting getting what we bought him for or what we loaned him for. We're not really playing that way. But the thing is, Stone, to believe it in yourself, and I've said this a long time this season in the podcast. We don't believe in ourselves enough. You've seen last night with that we pass that one min- minute of sheer brilliance and no look pass straight through, rather than trying to ram it and ram it and ram it in a card of defence, it's just going to re- return it. You know, that wee pass, straight through, bang, back of the net, thank you very much, three points, and um, 75 corners later, we get to go home with him. You know, and that's <laughs> and that's the difference. You know, you can just, and, it, and it, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think the service has been great for strikers, but if we do bring back Bond, you're going to have like Austin Bond, and if you keep Gray and Dex, it's a hell of a, it's a hell of an option to have if you can get everyone fit. Thank Kilman. Well, Kilman was sent back by Gillingham, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he turned because he weren't getting any games. He only played, made three appearances for him. So perhaps he needs, he'll definitely need another long move to get his confidence up. That's going to be a right kick of the nuts for him, personally. But I think if we get, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, just bring him back and see what happens because, you know, if we can lose the games that we've lost and had a wee bit of dip we have and still be fifth, what will we do if we can get firing? Do you know what I mean? It's this league's here to be taken. I mean, everyone talks about Fulham and Bournemouth pulling away in West Brom, but there's no reason why. Look at Blackpool; you can't you can't go for it. You know, there's there's absolutely no reason why you can't give it a go. Even flipping Luton are winning matches. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to come in and contradict. I personally would not recall McCauley <laughs> Bond. Um, I think. Fight, fight, in, fight. <laughs> um, I think in reality, you got to play out there that. Didn't, didn't you know it didn't really work for him under Warburton's system? Um, his confidence was shot. Um, he didn't, I don't really think he was really enjoying himself too much. And kind of the style and and his sort of time at QPI, he's, he's gone back to his boyhood club. Um, he's, he's loving playing football again, and his performances have shown that. And I think as well, when you kind of look at it from the financial perspective, you know, we, we've we've forked out two million pounds for, for a striker that is, what was it a couple of goals he got, and and you know, it kind of looked as though a, a bad decision bringing him for that sort of money. You've got a player now that's striving in, in the league below that's, you know, his stock fell at his time at QPR. Now it's sort of risen again. He's shown what he can do. And I think from that perspective, QPR will now, you know, get the money we paid, if not more. I think he could be a player that we do look to to um, offload at the end of the season. I could, I could see him, you know, if Ipswich, as you mentioned, the owners have come in with, with some money behind him. We could see him going there. I think when you look at the options we have, Lyndon Dykes, Charlie Austin, Andre Gray, now potentially Kelman, depending on whether he will go back out on loan again because he can't play for us until January uh, under that contract. So that's that's a lot of options there. And I think, you know, Warburton doesn't usually go for a two up top. Yeah, we've seen it a couple of times lately. He's a man that does favour just the one striker. So I think 
I think Macaulay Bond would be frustrated to be recalled in a way because, you know, his game time will be, where do you put him in the ranking of that? I think he'll always choose Lyndon Dykes, maybe Austin and Grant. I think, you know, yes, of course, his form has been fantastic, but, you know, he's going to rule battle. He's going to be a right battle for game time and managing that sort of a player that's been out scoring and wants to play and then come back and got a fight for a position again when he's been playing every minute for Ipswich, I think could be a bit of a hard dynamic to manage. So personally, I'd let him stay out there, let his stock rise. Um, and kind of, I think we've got enough in that squad where we don't need him back personally. The counter argument to that is, sorry, Warren, you're going to come in. I'm going to think of my counter argument a bit longer. <laughs> I, I think the thing about two up front as well is it, it, it brings a point that I've been sort of thinking all season really is that we kind of got little mini equations to solve all over the pitch in terms of the lineup because I think both Dykes and Austin play better when they're in a two but then you can't play them in a two because then you can't play chair and Willock plus yeah. two people in the middle and play the five so you know if we if we could play 12 we'd be absolutely laughing we'd be smashing <laughs> this league I think but you know, obviously we can't. And and I I I don't think anybody has the answer. And I think we can all sit and you know, you see the lineup go on 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 the QPR Facebook page and the comments. There's just so many contradictory comments. Everybody's got a different lineup at the moment. The thing needs to go in there and, and what formation and stuff. And that is the problem, you know. And I, I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is with that. I mean, it's at the end of the day, we are sitting fifth, and it you know, if it just clicks. It's gonna be. It yeah. is still. It's still all to play for. It's we're not. We're not probably where Finney thought we were gonna be at the start of the season, first or second. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I don't know though. It's just just those little problems just need solving, and I don't know what the answer is. It's uh, a fantastic point. I think you're right. There's that sort of. It's the repercussions of of changing. It has such an impact on how we like to play. I think. We'd love to play two up top. And as you rightly mentioned, you can't then take out Cheryl Willock. They're a staple in that side. They're almost the first two names in the team sheet. But then you then can't, you know, you can't have the two strikers, two number 10s, and then Jesse Hansen because we get completely overrun from the first minute in midfield. So then if you want, you want to have another person in midfield, you then got to change the five at the back. And people, there's a lot of people calling for a moment, you know, let's go to four at the back. But for me, I would not move away from that five at the back. I mean, you could argue, yeah, people, you know, people are starting to suss us out with that five at the back formation, but. But I think that is now that five of the back moving towards that five of the back, you know, halfway through last season has been the catalyst for why we're in this yeah. position now. I think it's been the revelation at QPR. Um, and so, like you say, is this sort of, you know, we want this, but then we will lose that. And then if, you know, we want that, but then we'll lose this. So it is, it is a right, it's a right juggle trying to play sort of all the players we have. Um, yeah, it's going to get worse yeah. again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. Feel back. Amos yeah. back fit. So where the hell are you going to play them? Wallace as well. Wallace back. McCallum back. We've got, we got another problem as well, Ross. Oh, good, good problems to have. We've got, we got one major problem which goes a life out of me, which is the um, Africa's Nations Cup. Yeah. That's a worry. You lose I mean, it for quite a while. Chair and... Dieng. Dieng, innit? Mm. Mm. On the field issue, though, I don't, I don't see that as a problem. One, I, I mean, I know it's good, to, it's a good problem to have, but I actually think the major difference between this season and last season is that whoever plays in that defensive midfield role, we need to have somebody in there who has the ability to transition the ball from the first third into that final third and get it to the danger of people. And I think, as much as I love Ball, and I know he's so popular, and I do love him. But he's not, he maybe just lacks that little bit of quality in the variation of his passing. You yeah. know, he's not comfortable receiving the ball 
with his back to the opposition goal and turning it around the corner like Johansson can. And he's got such a different variety of, of passing range within him. And I think that the one thing that's been really positive with Andre Dizel coming in this week is that he's got that. Well, I mean, I saw it in the preseason games. I was watching, sitting at home watching them. And straight away, I thought, wow, you know, he, he's got a pass in him. And I don't know if you guys picked up as well. I mean, maybe it was just where I was, um, my seat I was on against the Forest game. But I could see Dizel second half was just trying to calm everyone down around him and slow the game down. And he was the one that was really in there was actually trying to calm it down. I think he's got, such a prospect for the future and i actually think he's a potential long term to even be a johansson type player yeah i agree with what you said there warren it's like don ball is the modern day version of holloway as a player or matt rose you know like it's the thing is traditionally teams have a habit of playing a defensive midfielder and just writing him off as a as a a ball (laughs) playing it's like almost like an extra defender and that's fine when you've got four at the back but yeah. when you've got three centre backs, you're effectively then almost playing with four again. And I mean, yeah. I know a lot of this season we haven't done that. We've played with Johansson, but as Charlie and I talk about a few times, Johansson's been literally dropping off and picking the ball up off the three centre backs' feet. Yeah. And straight away you're locked in because what happens is if you play it into ball, the only thing that he he will do, bless his socks, is he will bring, he will then knock it back out to the three centre backs because he's not comfortable on the half turn. And then Cher and Willock drop deep to come and get the ball. They'll touch the ball back. And then if they do get the ball in that position, they turn and they've got the entire opposition in front of them. So that's that's kind of I think that with Field coming back in, and I think with Dazelle. Um, you know, getting us. I think that that potentially could be the answer. I really do. Yeah. Or Amos, because Amos likes. To, yeah. Yes. He's another one who he may Amos may not put get stuck in and put his weight around, but he'll nick a tackle and do stuff. But he'll also yeah. have the ability to play that ball up to a Willock or a chair. Yeah, and I think Amos has fit, some good balance. Field, yeah, it's going to be a great choice to to have. A but don't forget. Don't forget that every great building starts with a hard carrier. <laughs> just just a, a quick point I want to make upon uh, your point there, Warren, about, um, you know, you've got a midfielder that, you know, your hands are so deep and, and someone linking that play. What Pose a little question. Do you think we sort of missed what Tom Carroll brought to the side? Because I think he was someone that sort of bridged that sort of gap a little bit, that sort of role where he would link the play and he would kind of go more box to box. Do you think we kind of missed the impact he had last year? Because at one point he was very influ- influential for us. Is that someone we miss or not? Yeah, potentially, potentially. But I think, I just think that we, whatever decision we make with whoever's going to play in there, they, they need to be able, we almost at times have a pathological objection to playing the ball through the middle. And yeah. you see, you know what I mean? It has to go out wide and come in from yeah, the wing. It has to go to the fullback, yeah. Yeah, and actually straight away when, with the Forest game, when Johansson was released further forward, straight away in the second half, he played that one ball through to Dykes, which he got a shot away and I think the defender blocked it. And it was probably the best chance in the second half. But Johansson's the only player in the team capable of, I think, of playing those sorts of passes. So whoever we play in there, just need we need to have somebody that means that, I think that Johansson can be released further forward, but then can can you know transition the ball from those three centre backs into Johansson, who can then open up things in front of him. That's just right. But my observation sitting at home watching these games on the yeah, <laughs> on the, no, thing is, on, the well, rest, well, on the red bloody button. I mean, yeah. that's a, 
I was going to say about the red button as well. I I, I got I feel three a run minutes. coming on. Yeah, I got three minutes into the red button and had to abandon ship and go. I mean, to be fair, I'd forgotten that that uh, it was on the um, on the QPR site last night. I was I'd ha- I was happy to give him my ten pounds and get uh, Nick London and a better a better resume. I mean, honestly, the red button. I swear, my ninety two ninety three VHS videotape has got better resolution than that red button. And for the first fifteen minutes, the commentary was from the Bournemouth game. Yeah, did that did that throw you a little bit? <laughs> it really, really. Well, do you know what I did? Do you know what I did? Because wow. I was supposed, to, I was supposed to go there, but my mate was ill and I was ill, so we couldn't go with train tickets and everything. But anyway, that's my hard luck story. The I ended up because of the red button going completely pear shaped. I ended up having to look for it online legally, but somehow messed up and ended up with the Cardiff guys doing the commentary, which one of which was Matthew Conley, which was a oh. bit strange. Um. He didn't realise Abel the Dummer was a QPR fan. He played with him. It's strange, but never mind. Um, and it was a strange old thing where they were going on about, but God, I've never heard two people so depressed in my life since. <laughs> I've, I've, I well, even, you know, you're at home uh, and all of your players are sat behind QPR. And, shocking. They were, they were very complimentary about us, if I'm being brutally honest. But yeah, the, the red button thing is ridiculous which brings me on to just my last rant before we go into um a thing this is even too big to have for the um for my my hours end sky yeah pissing me off pissing oh, me right oh. off it's just it's too much now it's literally I, I feel sorry for jacob tingle he was bringing over 25 guys yeah. to to birmingham train tickets brought everything all ready for it and sky just killing our season. We don't get any Saturday home games hardly now. It's disrupting everything in the fan base, getting yourself into a, a, a and it's probably disrupting the team to a certain degree as well, the way we're playing these games. And it's a piss take. And I'm sure it's just because we're downloaded from the studios. Sky, just fick off and pick on someone else and leave us alone. Yeah. End of run. Two home games between two Saturday games between now and the start of January. Ridiculous. Two. Ridiculous. Which is a complete shit when you've got a six-year-old son who's got a season ticket and can't go to any of the midweek games because it's past his bedtime. So mm-hmm. how the hell can you attract young supporters by putting football on on a Wednesday night at 7.45 or a Tuesday night at 7.45 or a Friday? It's like my dad said. My dad went on a rant every night so far this week and one of them was brilliant. He said, I'm going to bother buy a season ticket next year. I'll just buy myself a comfy armchair. I mean, he's spot on. It's because you're, it is. It's like you sit there going, oh, for, yeah. It's just, we're even at five, 12 o'clock or 5.15 kickoff. Like, what the? Believe me, you meant to do 5.15. I mean, I, I completely and utterly don't disagree with anything you guys have said, but on the other side of the coin, for someone like me that's like a long distance supporter, being able to watch them on TV is great. However, if it's going to be on the red button, for example, I'd rather they just didn't do it. It's so appalling. I'd rather just not watch it. I mean, it's it is that bad. What's I mean, how can how can it be that bad when the technology we've got it is ridiculous? But again, on the leveling up thing, you know, I can't understand why we can't why the club can't sell um the 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 access for the, the games that at least the sky aren't showing as well. Um I, I just don't get it because I do not believe that it's gonna stop people go into the game if you're if i was closer to to go and i didn't have the same as you young young kids and i've got a two-year-old 
So I can't, I can't get all the way down to London and go to a game. But it's not going to stop people going to the game. But yeah, the Sky situation is just absolutely ridiculous on two levels. One, the way they keep moving the fixtures. And two, the, the service they're giving is absolutely diabolical anyway. There's a third level as well, one which is this course the club of flicking fortune. Well, um, the card turnout in Cardiff last night, there was barely anybody in the stand, was there? No, several Rangers fans, but they can't, yeah. The home I mean, fan. the Cardiff, the home fans, yeah. But they're, they're a bit like that. They've turned into Reading a little bit. Where they're like, I don't know if you guys know this, they're like, when they're in the Premier League, they're doing well at the top end of the Championship. They fill the ground. But otherwise, I don't know what it is with them. They're just not turning up for the club or they've lost up or whatever. It's very strange. I mean, a couple of years ago, I went to Cardiff and there's hardly anyone there. And I don't even think they did a boycott. It's, it's very strange where the old Cardiff would have been turned up left, right and centre, but then they got messed around with the change of ownership and the colours and everything else. I understand that. But yeah, it, there seems to be certain clubs in the Championship that are just ready for the Premier League. They're ready. They'll only fill the ground when they're in the Premier League and then they bugger off back to Spurs or Arsenal yeah. once they bomb out of it. It's very, very strange. But yeah, Sky need to get their act together because I just feel sorry for all these people who, who planned. I mean, the Irish are the people from overseas to plan games. They have to book them in advance. And then Sky come along with a wee computer and just absolutely mess it up for everyone. I mean, December's fixtures list is a mess. Just an absolute flipping yeah. shit show. Sheffield laid out on a Monday night. I mean, ridiculous. I'm going, Leg. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we have actually got a Saturday game at 3pm. Um, just around the corner, coming up against Blackpool. They lost 1-0 on Wednesday at home to Stoke. They won three of their last five, won four of their last six at home. Tenth in the t- on, in the championship, one point behind the R's. How are we feeling ahead of Blackpool away on Saturday? Seasick. <laughs> they're they're a bit of a surprise package, that. aren't they? They're a surprise package. They're doing really well. I don't think anyone thought they got the guy from Liverpool in, didn't they? The youth team coach, and he's he's yeah. turned them around. They got a young guy from the Irish League who's batting a load of goals. Are quite dangerous. It's going to be a really hard match, I think, for us. I don't think it's going to be as easy as some might think. Not saying any of you don't think it's going to be easy, but I think, judging on social media, it's Blackpool. Everyone's gone up for a... There's going to be a lot of QPR fans up there. It's going to be a big away support. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a hard match, that one. A, a, a really hard one to call. Yeah, difficult one. Like you said, they're on form at home. They've done Fulham at home. Mm. Mm. Which we could win on Saturday. That'll make my household a lot happier. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to be in your house last night, Ross? Oh, don't. <laughs> you want to be in my house the other week. Oh, yeah. Ross's the wife is full of fun. Mention. Yeah. My missus is a season ticket holder at fun. Does she have clappers? <laughs> Do not. Do not. At that game, my Charlie sat with his mum in the Hammersmith end. And he came out the ground holding two clappers. Oh, no, no. They've since been put in the bin. I'd like to hope so. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, Daddy, you little... Yeah, that's not Yes, on. don't do them, Charlie. We've got our own hands. <laughs> right, should we get on to some predictions then? Uh, what, we'll start off with you, Ross. What are you predicting for Saturday? I'd like to say a 2-1, but I'll be more than happy with a draw. Okay, okay. Um, it wouldn't be a bad away point Warren about yourself uh, probably the same thing I think sometimes in the recent games we've been a little bit guilty haven't we of, of trying to force results and, and getting caught and maybe we just need to just reset a little bit and think 
good result away from home is a draw and a good result mm-hmm. at home is a, a win. And if we can keep that ratio up, we'll be, we'll be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. So yeah, a draw, I'd be really pleased if we can come away with a draw, but hoping for something more. Vinny? Just think, I think it's, it's, it's winnable. Every game is winnable in this flipping league. Um, and, um, you know, it, I'd like to see Barbe try one of their spectacular clearances at the other end of the pitch that flies <laughs> into the top corner and <laughs> keep it away from that. But yeah, listen, I'll take anything up there. A 1-0, same as Cardiff, just grind a winner, keep going, keep building, keep getting everyone. Then use the international break to get everyone fit and focused again and regroup and maybe sort these wee niggles out that we've got and, and kind of selection problems that we've got. Now, nah, I'm hoping we'd win. I'm realistically, it's probably going to be a draw. Can't see us losing, hopefully. But one thing I will say, and this is my R's end, by the way, quickly. Um, oh, he's getting in now. At Peterborough, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> at Peterborough, it was quite, it was quite weird because there's a lot of stuff thrown from our fans that hit our own fans. The young lad mm. got whacked in the eye, and it wasn't good and it wasn't clever. So, don't like, I don't like telling people what to do. It's not my job. I don't want to be. There's not been an absolute dick in my life, and I'm not going to judge anyone, but. I don't like seeing things so that could damage our own fans or anyone for that matter. Just that, that was a bit strange. So hopefully that's the first and last time we'll see that ever happen at Rangers because that was a bit scary for the kid, to be fair. And if Ellis Park is listening, hope you're all right, big man. And um, hopefully the club will be um, doing something for him, which I'm sure they will be because that's not a nice experience. And, you know, mind your football in the 70s a wee bit, do you know what I mean? And which wasn't, I know it was joyous. I know it wasn't violent. I know it wasn't aimed at anyone badly. But just be careful chucking beer bottles around inside the ground. End of rant. Yeah, it was disappointing to see. It was a bit of trouble with Peterborough, yeah. Um, hopefully that can be something put behind us. But um, in terms of Blackpool, I don't know. I've got I've got a funny feeling it's going to be another 1-0 away victory. I don't know you why. You'd take a look, wouldn't you? I'd, I'd definitely, I'd, I'd take a point, as as you've all rightly pointed out. Pardon the pun. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like, to, like I say, I, I don't see us losing, the famous last words, but... Um, I've got a feeling it's going to be 1-0 victory. I'm never going to score predictions, so it means absolutely nothing. Who do you reckon? But, if, someone, if, if someone's putting on the betting slip right, for Saturday, or someone who hasn't scored, who they think is due a goal Saturday, who do you reckon it would be? I think you're handling it today. Mm. He, 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 came, he, you know, he came in with, a, with um, was it maybe four or five goals he got in last, uh, last season, so I think he hasn't scored this year yet. Albert. Yeah. Thinking Albert, that, Ross. Yeah, I'm thinking that'll be Yeah, he's G1. Yeah. I like that. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm not one to predict. First time last night, I put, I put Bournemouth in my bet for the first time of the season. Of course, that was the, uh, the first time this year they, <laughs> <laughs> they've lost. <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, you, I'm the wrong you, bloke. <laughs> can you put Fulham in your bet a bit more? Yeah, I think I might have to start doing that. I might just have to do that. Right, okay, let's go on to ours end. Uh, Finney's out of the equation. Um, he's going with, uh, yeah. Uh, Ross, you're up. What's your ours end? I think. My R's end, I think people just got to remember how special a club we got. Because there are, I've had, well, we've got a great set of supporters who love the club. We're all, most of us, most of the time, are good to each other. We tend to be there for each other, which I've found out this year. Um, but as a club, they are pretty special and they do reach out to their fans no matter what some people say I had when I got home out of hospital watching the Euros one night just waiting for a game to kick off phone rings it's the manager and I was like who? what? we were shot the midfielders 
Yeah. <laughs> and he's a decent centre-back. He just phoned up, see how I was doing, because he'd heard that I weren't doing that great, and chatted to him for about 10 minutes. Oh. It's like, got off the phone, and Sarah, my wife's like, who was that? Oh, uh, Mark Warburton. It's like he's said, and we're we're waiting for a decent fixture that we can do with my son and that. That um, he invited us down to see the meet the team and him before a kickoff. Oh, nice one! Wow. Yeah, we were going to do that to start the season, but COVID, those COVID protocols came in, and it's just like stuff like that that the club do. It's the little stuff. Yeah, Yeah. we dick around with training grounds and um, posts about new stadium and stuff but we're a club who are supporter generated you know it's for the fans it's for the community and like we did with Grenfell you know when they're not afraid to roll their sleeves up and mix with the locals and look after the supporters it's just a great club so get off their backs enjoy the football because more often than not this season, the football's brilliant. I love watching Willock. He's just something else this year. And it's just, enjoy it. There's no point getting stressed and scroppy and saying that we should sack the manager and players ain't worth the money that they're getting paid and they shouldn't be paying for the club and we should be, with the squad we've got, we should be top of the table. No. Enjoy the football. Let's not get promoted because the Premiership is absolute crap. Let's stick in the Championship where we can have fun and enjoy it and have games where we can lose to Derby or Peterborough one week and then beat Bournemouth the following week. That's what happens in the Championship. That's what makes it fun. Just enjoy football. And remember what sort of club QPR are. They are a brilliant club. And that's why we all love them. I like it, Ross. Very wholesome. Good luck, Warren, kind of coming close to that one. What have you got first? <laughs> I've got a good one. Actually, I've got, I hate someone with a finny. I've got two, if that's all right. Um, oh. The first one is a, a thank you. I did this one last time I was on four years ago, and it is just a thank you to you guys for the podcast because, I mean, the minute it drops on my phone, that a new one, I'm, I, everything else is just, you know, put to one side, including the kids. Fend for yourself <laughs> for an hour. I'm going to put my headphones on, listen to this. Um, social services will be on the phone. they're already on hold Uh, um no i mean you know no seriously because i've done quite a bit of podcasting i know it's it's relentless every single week to do this and it does take a lot of staying power people don't probably don't realize you know there are times we think i could do without this week but you guys deliver it pretty much every single week and for guys like me that are out out of the loop you know really is my connection to to what's going on on the terraces a lot of the times and as you need to link to that it, um it's just, i wanted to say how brilliant it is to uh, see flo's um career um just absolutely you know blossoming and i know she had a bit of a hard time last year i don't want to go into all of that again but um you know every time she crops up on talk sport and i know she does bbc london i get a little warm fuzzy feeling of, of pride of one of our own you know hearing her on there and it's it's been really great to to, to hear her um, doing so well so thanks to you guys is my first one and my second one's a little plug is that all right and i had a little a little buzz when i saw one of your podcasts called bond training ground bond the other the other the other week because i thought oh okay when as soon as you asked me i thought i mentioned this one um 
in addition to being a trumpet player in the RAF, I run a little uh, touring James Bond concert called Q the Music, as in the letter Q. So anybody that's a James Bond fan, um, we're pretty much the go-to tribute to James Bond music. Uh, we played at Roger Moore's official memorial and we played at uh, Majesty's, uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service 50th event. So check it out on YouTube and come and give us some support. Do you, do you want to hear a weird fact that's really boring? I've never seen a James Bond film. Never. No one. Possibly not my target audience then, Finney. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why either. That plug went well. Yeah. But you know what? An endorsement from Finney there. I don't know why. I mean, they seem to be very popular. I mean, band singing about it and everything is great, but I've never seen one. Not one. Seen a lot of shade films, but never seen one of them. By the way, just to say, Ross, it's good to have you back, mate. And your wife was brilliant. And, um, I think she was blown away by how many people wished you well and the QPR fan base well said big man and good to see you fighting faith and if QPR could stop the last minute goals and just win 3-0 by then I'm sure your health would be yes. a lot better for it exactly my blood pressure would be a lot better <laughs> cheers mate you supported the wrong club you worried about blood pressure <laughs> he's got absolutely no fucking chance with the FA Cup he's going to be finished <laughs> okay uh, blood right. pressure not with anything else sorry yeah. <laughs> Right, um, my R's end is I'm going to just give a um, shout out to Luke Amos. I think how he's come back from this lengthy knee injury has been seamless. Um, you know, sometimes you see players come back from lengthy injury and they're a little bit dubious about getting stuck in or sometimes it's, it takes time to get that match sort of sharpness. I think he's come in, he just made an instant impact. Was it the, um, I can't remember what game it was now actually. Um, was it the black? Oh, no, I don't. I don't know which one it was. He came on, I think, for the last half an hour or so, and he just took it by storm. He, um, and yeah, I think it just, yeah, just a, just a hats off to Luke Amos. Um, I think he's been absolutely quality, and I'm looking forward to seeing him get that sort of match fitness and make an impact from the start because I think he will start games for us. He, he's, he's a big player, and Warburton's is a big fan of him. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do um, for the remainder of the season. Right. Um, I think that's a wrap. Um, thank you to everybody. If, if anyone is still listening to us, because uh, that was quite a lengthy episode, that one, um, with all the sort of... You know, there's been wars started and ended games. quick in this podcast. There's been what, sorry? Wars have started and ended. <laughs> there's been TV shows made and scrapped and, and decommissioned <laughs> in the time of this podcast, but we're still going. Carry on. Yeah, there we go. Um, Don't let me put you off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if anyone else enjoyed it, but I certainly did. So thank you to everyone for... Um, is still listening. Uh, thank you to Ross and Warren for, for tuning in. I hope to see you uh, both soon again on the podcast. You've been great. And uh, thanks, of course, to Chris Charles for joining me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, and uh, we look forward to another episode soon. Yeah,